0: Have you ever wanted to pray more? Raise your hand if you'd like to have pray more. Yes, I think so. Pray better, more successful, pray more effective. I've been asking Jesus to help me learn how to pray for at least 20 years now. At least 20 years now. You think, well, wouldn't he have answered it at some point, right? I think he is answering it, but this is a lifelong journey. We can, we can always pray more. We can always pray better. Amen? Um, we know that prayer is powerful. We know that prayer extends our horizons. We know that prayer makes the, the impossible possible. We have seen the Lord do amazing things through the prayers of his saints. Amen? Amen? We could, if we went around the room, list off some of the many prayers that have been answered among us. One of the most notable recently is to be able to construct this building debt-free. That was what we prayed for. And he answered those prayers. We should have prayed, as I've said, for us to construct this building debt-free with a huge margin left over. That's what we should have prayed, but we did not have the faith to pray that. But I want to be a better prayer. More successful, more effective. I want to be able to pray our neighbors into the kingdom of heaven. I want to be able to pray our coworkers into the kingdom of heaven. I want to be able to pray our bosses at work into the kingdom of heaven. That his name might be hallowed all over Acadiana. Amen? That's what we want. We know that prayer is one of the quickest. How's the new sound system sound? Pretty good. That's Great, man. What a, that's an answer to prayer, I promise you. I haven't prayed anything more than that <laughs> for quite some time. Yeah, We want to extend the kingdom of God, and we know that prayer is one of the quickest and easiest ways to jump in on the action. I mean, how much money do you need to pray? None. How much overhead does it take? None. Yeah, when your hands are full, you can pray. When you've got too much on your plate, you can pray. When you are limited in what you can accomplish, you can pray. Children, look, kids right here, we need your help in extending the kingdom of heaven in your generation, in your day. Amen? You say, but I don't have a budget. You don't need a budget. I don't have much power. My parents make me go to bed at a certain time. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are, you can access the throne room of heaven today through prayer, and you can extend the kingdom of heaven. I don't... Children, we can't make it if y'all aren't praying for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to be better prayers. We need to be praying more and better. And and there was once a disciple who struggled with this same issue. And he had overheard Jesus praying. He said, boy, I wish I could pray like that. Powerful prayers. Prayers that are uh, intimate with the Father. There was something about the way Jesus prayed that inspired the people around him. And on on at least two occasions, but I'm sure several occasions, people asked him, show us how to pray like that. The song that we just sang was from Matthew chapter 6. That's the Lord's Prayer in its extended version that we normally know. But there's another point in Jesus' ministry where he taught his disciples, this one disciple, how to pray, and it's in Luke chapter 11. Look at verse 1. This is a guy going through the same struggles as us. The same struggles as us. Luke 11 verse one, now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him. See in Matthew six, all of his disciples get together and they're like, show us how to pray. But here it's just one, one disciple. Could have been you, could have been me. And he says, teach us to pray. That's the name of this sermon series, teach us to pray. I want this sermon series, however long it goes, to instruct Christ church in how to pray more successfully more effectively i want you to be inspired i want you to be excited to get on board with the kingdom of heaven and its in its advance through prayer through prayer and that's what i'm hoping that god will do through this this prayer, uh, through this sermon series. He begins, Jesus begins to answer it with a blueprint. He gives them a blueprint of praying. This is a blueprint. It's not necessarily something you have to recite over and over and over again like a magical incantation, but it's a blueprint. You can recite it, that's good. You can sing it as we just did, but it's a blueprint. Look at verse two. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Amen? But then Jesus goes into a parable. Let me read this parable for us. It's in verse five. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give anything, give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that means, hey, I'm not leaving here until you bring me some bread. I got guests at my house. I need to give them something to eat. I need to borrow some bread. He says, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. See, ask, seek, knock. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. It will be open. Amen. Wow. There's a lot here, and we're going to take several weeks to cover all of this, but I want to look back at verse 2. This is what we're going to be covering today. Very practical, very uh, simple, a direct sermon this morning, but it comes from verse 2. It's Jesus' first instruction. When the disciple asked him how to pray, he said this. He said, and he said to them, when you pray, say, altogether, Father. That's our first lesson for today. When you pray, Say father. That we could just end the sermon right there. But there's a lot to deduce from this. I have four deductions or four lessons from the fact that we are praying to God as a father. All right? Now, is it too loud for y'all? Kevin, I need you to turn me down just a little bit because I want to get a little, um, I want to speak with more urgency, not blast them out. But listen, here's the first, the first lesson. If you're praying to a father, listen, if you're praying to a father and you are praying to a father, Jesus said, say Father that it's not about style. It's not about style, okay? Instagram reels are for style, amen? They're not real, though. You don't have an Instagram reel for your father. It's for your followers. It's for your friends, and it's fake. It's phony, but when you are with people that you know, like your father, there is less makeup, amen? Less curating of your image. There's less Photoshop because you're with your dad, right? When you get dressed to go out to the grocery store, what, what often goes through your mind? You think, you know, am I going to see anyone? And if you think, well, I might see my dad, that doesn't change your style, right? <laughs> you, you, I, oh, I'm just gonna see my dad, right? So I don't necessarily need to be fancy. See, it's not about style because he is our our father, Prayer should be real, amen? The psalms are real. Sometimes when you read the psalms, you could be surprised at how real they are. They're very earthy, sometimes inappropriate. Sometimes I'm singing a psalm in church, and I wonder, wow, should we be singing that in church? (laughs) And then I remember church is supposed to be real. We have enough phoniness in American Christianity, amen? We need less curating of image, Less uh, marketing, less PR firms, more real, because we are praying to our real heavenly Father. And flowery, rhetorically advanced preaching, which I, am, I, I believe was, I am guilty of that earlier in my ministry, but I have re- rejected that. I don't believe there's any power in flowery rhetoric, right? I, I have seen uh, more fruit. By simple, practical teaching and having a meal and drinking a beer with other men than I have with flowery, rhetorically advanced preaching. And the same goes for prayer. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's not about style. Because he said, when you pray, say, Father. That gets rid of all the need for style. And flowery, churchy cliches, religiosity, That that, sort of that churchy, Language that people have when they pray, would you nod your head if you know what I'm talking about? No offense, we all have bad habits, okay? But that can be very destructive for children because it takes quite a while to develop those habits. That can be quite um, offensive or, 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 or discouraging for new believers because they don't know the Bible that well and they don't know all the, the religious cliches, dear brothers and sisters. They don't have that flowery, rhetorically advanced speech. And that could be very discouraged for people who aren't necessarily as literate or as educated. But Jesus Christ didn't come just for the literate and the educated, amen? Amen. No, we don't need style, and that means anyone can do it. When you pray, say, Father. You know, my, um, my extended family, <clears throat> they're doing well now, but throughout my childhood and in my early adulthood, and when I first became a pastor, my extended family, they all live out of state, they're not gonna hear this sermon, but uh, they, they didn't have a church, and they didn't have a pastor because they had believed the lie of much of American uh, evangelicalism and much of American Christianity that you don't necessarily need pastors or elders or a church community. Christianity is just what I do me and myself alone with my private Jesus. They didn't understand the covenantal community aspects of Christianity and so growing up and, and when I was a young adult and when I first became a pastor, they didn't have pastors. All my cousins, they didn't have pastors. My grandparents, my aunts and uncles, they didn't have pastors. And so they looked at me, since I just became a pastor, as their personal family priest. And so every wedding, Brandon, every funeral, Brandon... And I eventually got old enough where I could say no to these things. Um, but when I was young and, and a, new, a, a new pastor, I thought, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go around doing all my family's weddings and funerals. And, and uh, I remember on Thanksgiving meal, because I was the pastor, uh, they would always ask me to pray. It's Thanksgiving, after all, you have to pray. And I made one mistake one Thanksgiving. I prayed a prayer. And I I, was verbally skilled, and I'm fairly educated. I was an English teacher, so I could do the prayer that they all were expecting and wanting. But then the next year came around, and I began to feel convicted about this. I'm not their family priest. They need to get their own pastors, and I can't be the officiant at all the family functions. And so for Thanksgiving, I prayed the most simple, childish, short Thanksgiving prayer you've ever heard and I was never asked to do it again. <laughs> it's not about style. It's not about style. You know, it's not about length either. If, if we, when we pray, we say, Father, it's not about how long it is. It's not about how short it is. It has nothing to do with length or short. God appreciates long prayers. I mean, has there been nights where you prayed the entire night because you were wrestling with the Lord in prayer? That's fine. Or has there been times when you prayed a, a two-word pr- a prayer? Lord, help! That's, that's all it was. It's not about length. It's not about the length of time. The Father, the Heavenly Father, is, doesn't need to be beaten down with a barrage of words. Right. He's not up there waiting for a Shakespearean sonnet, right? Oh, you had too many simple sentences. We need some compound contrasting sentences, more analogies, more illustrations. He's not looking for that. He doesn't need rhetoric. He doesn't need flowery speech. He doesn't need to be beaten down, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, he means as pagans do. You see, because the pagan gods need to be cajoled. They need to be inspired. They need to be awoken from their slumber. But we don't have a pagan god, right? We have a father, amen? For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need. Before you even open your mouth, he already knows what you need, so you don't need to impress him, Amen? It's not about style, it's not about the length or the duration of the prayer. Another story from when I first became a pastor, I didn't exactly know how God was going to use me in my pastor my church had called me and confirmed me and ordained me and my pastor asked me to go and consider being a pastor of a nearby church in Orange, Virginia when my wife and I were living up there. And so not knowing exactly what the Lord had for me, I went to this church and I did the thing you do when you're thinking about being a pastor and they're examining you. And I preached and I prayed and I did the whole service and all of that. And afterward, the the search committee got together and they rejected me, um, which was fine. That was definitely not God's will. And my wife is very glad that they rejected me. Um, But I remember what they said. They said, your prayer was not very long said, so Your prayer was not very long. And I thought, Well, I don't mind being rejected, but that is a terrible reason for it. It doesn't matter how long it is. Listen, children, it doesn't matter how long you pray. Amen? It doesn't matter how short you pray. It doesn't matter the style that you use in prayer because you're praying to a heavenly father. And here's another lesson because I don't want to be misconfused or misunderstood. He is your father, he's not your boyfriend or your bro. And there's a lot of American Christianity that treats God as though He is a boyfriend or a bro. Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus says, "And this is in the other um, version of the Lord's Prayer, pray then like this, Our Father." right He's not just your father, he's our Father, in heaven. You see that? in heaven. so yes he is like a father and he is your father but he is a heavenly father when we pray we are and you need to recognize this entering in the throne room of heaven we are being invited into the holy of holies in the presence of a lord in the presence of a king in the presence of a heavenly father and so your prayers don't have to be fancy they don't have to be Shakespearean sonnets is everyone paying attention you want to be a better prayer don't you Right. but they don't need to be dumb all right, and disjointed. The, the heavenly father is not impressed with your flowery speech, but he also doesn't think you're such a humble saint if your prayers are dumb and disjointed. All right, let me, let me read what I'm talking about here. I actually uh, listened to this prayer online and I transcribed it for you. And, and here, here it goes. And father, we um, uh, just wanna thank you for your blessings, and uh, uh, we, we just, Lord, want to uh, just thank you, Lord, for just uh, really just being so good to us, Father, and Father, we just, uh, Lord, ask that you just uh, forgive us our sins, Father, and um, just bless us now, Father, and uh, just lead, uh, guide, and direct us, Lord, and we just ask all this in Jesus' name, uh, Father, amen. Have you heard, who's heard that prayer before? Okay, listen, I think what is happening there is some sort of feigned familiarity, like me and God are so tight that I can just talk like that. No, he's not your bro, amen? He's not your boyfriend. If you were to talk to the mayor, would you speak that way? If you were invited into the mayor's chamber, the mayor of Bro Bridge, for example, the mayor of Parks, the mayor of Lafayette, the mayor of Mamu, you would not go in there and speak that way, right? If you were to go before your college advisor or one of your college professors and you went into his office to talk to him about something that you're dealing with, I need help on a math problem, you wouldn't speak that way. Why would we speak that way to God? Amen? We are not talking to a God who needs to be cajoled or convinced to get up off of his throne and do something. He's ready to help you. He's ready to bless you. He is a heavenly father. But he, but, but he needs to be spoken to with reverence. Amen? Amen. And with awe, not with fake familiarity. Right? He's not impressed with our flowery speech, and he's not impressed with our, our hip uh, church cliches. And consider your posture, Christ Church. If you are speaking to a heavenly father and you are in the throne room of heaven as we are, as we know by the spirit of God, you ought to consider your posture. You say, you mean the posture of my heart. No, you're not a heart. You're a human. Amen. Now you have a heart. And it is important to consider your heart. But you're not a floating orb. You're not an ethereal spirit. You're not a heart. You are a human. And humans have arms and, and knees and heads. Amen. You must consider your posture. And this is not an absolute. And I don't want anyone in our church to become legalistic. Because Jonah in the whale, he prayed an effective prayer, amen? And I don't think he had much to say over his posture, right? And, and you could think of Paul and Silas in chains, and the thief on the cross prayed an amazing prayer that Jesus answered and saved him and sent him to heaven, amen? And the thief on the cross couldn't really affect his posture. We're not trying to be legalistic here, but you ought to consider your posture. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, I desire then... That in every place the men should pray, lifting, say this with me, holy hands, without anger or quarreling. When Pastor Scott asks you to lift hands, lift hands. You know, I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Listen, this, when you're, you refuse to raise your hands with your covenantal community, you are, you are demonstrating just how radically individualistic you are. You say, well, I don't feel good with it, that's good. You need to not feel good about your radical individualism. You need that autonomous American uh, nature to be disciplined out of you. And one of the best ways to discipline yourself, to get in the right mindset, I'm part of a community. I'm a part of a community. I'm part of a covenantal community. I'm tied to these people. When we pray, we are praying to our Father. One of the ways you can get that into your heart is by lifting your hands. Oh, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But I'm doing this because we're all doing this. And the pastor that the Lord has put over me has instructed me to do this. Oh, I'm doing it anyway because I'm a part of this church, right? And, of course, Paul says in 1 Timothy, very clearly, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands. It's not absolute, right? The thief on the cross did lift his hands, but I doubt Jonah and the whale did. It's okay. It's not an absolute. It's not a legalistic thing. But you are a human. Consider your posture. Psalm 63, 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Amen. And in confession, would you bow? Would you bow? Listen to Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You ought to consider kneeling, perhaps with your knees, at least with your head. When Jesus prayed in the garden of the Gethsemane, did he uh, walk around and think, well, since prayer is spiritual, it doesn't matter what I do with my body, so I'm just going to you know, sit here on a stump and pray, Father, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, thy will be done. No, the Bible says he fell on his face. And I promise you, when your, when your prayers are real and you believe in prayer and you need that prayer to be answered, I promise you, your body will follow your heart. But even when your body is not following your heart, tell your body what to do. Tell your body the way it should be, amen? So you lift your hands like this in praise because this is a biblical expression of praise. And if you are praying a prayer of thanksgiving or asking him and offering petitions and wanting him to bless you, you can turn your hands like this so that you're receiving his prayer and receiving his blessings and thanksgiving. And when you're offering up your tithes and offerings, you can lift your hands like this as an offering to the Lord. You see, it's not an absolute, don't get legalistic. We don't need any hand police around here, right? (laughs) But you are a human, and sometimes this can discipline your heart, amen? And it can discipline the distracting nature of your mind, amen? And it's good to plan. If we are approaching the throne and we are speaking to a heavenly Father, it's good to plan, it's good to plan. Make lists. Write it down. You don't have to write it down, right? Jonah didn't have a lamp and a writing pen and all that stuff in the whale, and God answers his prayer. It's not an absolute thing. But if you were going to speak to the mayor, you would plan what you're going to say, amen? So plan what you're going to say. Think about it. Do you want him to answer the prayer? Right? Think about what you're going to say to him. Think about what you're going to say to him. He is pleased with short, unscripted prayers that burst out, but he's also pleased with really thoughtful prayers that approach the throne and demand to be blessed. And when you pray, offer up biblical arguments. Listen carefully to this. The Lord loves to hear petitions that are supported by promises. Right? If you haven't heard me talk, teach this before, you need to listen very carefully to this. When Hezekiah was told that he was going to die... He prayed and asked the Lord to extend his life. But he didn't just ask. He said arguments. He said, I have used my life for your, for your goodness, for your kingdom. If you give me more years, I will use them for your kingdom. And Lord, I don't have an heir yet. And you made a promise to me that I would have an heir. And you made a promise to all the people of God that there would be one from the line of David that would sit on the throne. And that's not going to come true if I die now because I don't have an heir yet. So let me live longer. And the Lord was moved by his his persuasive arguments, not fighting, amen, not acting as though God owes you something, but presenting arguments before the Lord. When Jacob was under threat and Esau was about to take his life, Jacob said, Lord, you promised me wealth. You promised me prosperity. And you promised me that my offspring would be like the stars of the heavens. That's going to be hard to see come true if I and all my family members are dead, so save us. And the Lord was moved by his persuasive arguments. The Lord desires to be moved. God loves to be won over by the force of argument. So if you want to advance the kingdom in your lifetime, listen carefully. Do you want that? Do you want to be a more effective, successful prayer? Plan what you're going to say. Bring it before the Lord. Tell him why you want children. Tell him why you want to be married. Tell him why you want to not be in so much debt. Tell him why you want to be freed from alcoholism or drug abuse. Tell him why you want to see your wife get converted. Tell him why you want these things. I want it for your name. And you say, if I pray according to your will, then I will receive what I'm going to get. And wrestle with the Lord in prayer until he gives you what you want. There's a lot to learn about here. But I promise you. The Lord wants to be persuaded. He wants to hear you participate in the kingdom of God and support your petitions by his promises. So plan it out when you enter the throne room of God. Let it come from the heart. It's not about style. It's not about length. You're speaking to a father, plan what you're going to say and, and, and ask him for it with biblical arguments. <clears throat> but finally, the last lesson here if he is your father, that means that relationship is the most important thing here, the most important thing, right, if, and listen, if you're new to Christianity, please listen carefully to this, this is a very important aspect, if you were today to run a red light and get a ticket, you would owe a fine to the courthouse, amen, Right? If you didn't pay that ticket and you didn't go in for your court date, there would be a warrant out for your arrest and you would be on what we call the wrong side of the law. Now, if you go to the police station and you ask them for some favors and you're on the wrong side of the law, do you suspect that they're going to give you those favors? That they're going to do their duty and come and check on your neighbor and and maybe help you with this and send the fire department out for this? No, they're going to arrest you. Because you're on the wrong side of the law and there's a warrant out for your arrest. And the only way to be on the right side of the law so that you can receive the benefits of the police department, for example, is to pay that fine. Amen? Well, when it comes to sin, listen carefully to this. When it comes to sin in your relationship with your heavenly father, because of sin, you are on the wrong side of the law. You are on the wrong side of the heavenly law. And you need that debt to be paid. And there's only one way to pay it. Is it through your good works? Is it through your work? Is it through anything you can accomplish? No, it's only because of what Jesus did on the cross of Christ when he shed his blood. That's why he died on the cross. Amen, church? So that he could pay your debt so that you could be on the right side of the law. So that now, in a right relationship with God, you can go to him and he can answer your prayers. But don't expect your prayers to be answered. Don't expect your prayers to go any higher than this ceiling, if you're not in a right relationship with the Father. Listen to James chapter four, verse six. God gives more grace, therefore it says, but God opposes the proud. You see that? He doesn't answer the prayers of the proud. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Psalm chapter 5, verse 4 For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers, you destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man, He does not answer their prayers. So repent and trust in what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross so that you can be in a right relationship with God and he can then hear your prayers. You say, Pastor Brandon, why are you going into all this? I've been in a right relationship with God for a long time. Listen to 1 Peter chapter three, verse seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. This is for Christians. You're on the right side of the law. God loves you, you have been saved, you have been forgiven. But you need to live with your wives in an understanding way. That is, you need to get to know your wives. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. See, there is a way, even as a Christian, to hinder your prayers. Anger hinders your prayers. Being in broken relationships and burning the bridges of your church relationships and your family relationships, it hinders your prayers. So even if you are on the right side of God and you have been forgiven, you need to make sure you're continuously confessing your sin so that he will hear your prayers. All the shouting, all the screaming, the punching the sheetrock, the infantile rage in your home, it is causing God to stop his ears up. You need to confess your sins. You need to repent so that he can hear your prayers and answer them. Amen? Amen? Get in the right relationship with God and stay there so that you can say when you pray, Father. Amen? Let's all stand. And we're going to pray for one thing specifically. Father, you, you tell us that if we pray according to your will, that what we ask, we will receive. You say that if we pray whatsoever in your name, that we will receive what we ask for. And so we pray that you would teach Christ Church how to pray. We want to be known for many things, Lord. We want to be known. We want to be famous, especially for the effectiveness of our prayer. May we become a praying church that advances the kingdom through our daily work, through our worship, through our building of households and equipping of the saints, but may we be a church that advances the kingdom also through prayer. In Jesus Christ's name, and all who agree, would you say amen? Amen. Amen.